0: But strangely, at this moment, I am actually feeling quite relaxed. Hey.
1: Welcome to working title of the show, where we talk about books, movies, and everything in between. So you might not know this about me, but I'm a bit of a mermaid enthusiast. I am one of many people who never grew out of their childhood dream. However, unlike me, some people have the money and time to make their dream a reality. Which brings us to the Netflix docu-series, People. That is the smoothest segue I have ever done. Merpeople, as mentioned, is a docu-series on Netflix released May 23rd, 2023, and it talks about people who are mermaids, whether for a hobby or a career. Take a shot every time I say mermaid. It'll be a very interesting experience. Now, one of the downsides with this being so new is there's not a lot of behind-the-scenes information. The thing that I find interesting is that on IMDb, the series has an average rating of 6.4, which is just a little above, like, right, you know, middle. So, let's find out what this is like together. Now, I'm going to be bouncing around a bit. I'll try to make this flow as best I can, but I do recommend that you watch the docuseries before listening to this. This is going to be more of an essay than an actual review. Because the first two episodes kind of set the scene, I'm going to start with the information provided in those episodes, as well as our key players. Then I will discuss episodes 3 and 4, followed by interviews with the cast, then we'll go into my final thoughts. I feel we should start with what is essentially the start of mermaid shows. The Watchy Mermaids were performers in the Watchy Springs in Florida. I'm going to say Wikiwatchy so many times, it's not going to sound real anymore. Like go. I've been there and I'm still not convinced it's a real place. The Mermaids attraction was created in 1947 by Newton Perry, who based it on air hose breathing techniques, something that is still done today. Initially, foot traffic was sparse, so when they saw a car coming, girls would run out in their swimsuits and lure travelers. Going full mermaid here. The shows really grew in popularity in the 50s and 60s. At its peak, girls would be doing 10 shows a day. While shows are still done there to this day, the documentary reveals that a lot of performers had to quit because severe sinus and ear infections were soaked. Oh, common. One performer, who we'll go into more detail in a minute, was told that despite what the doctor said, if he didn't go to work, he was fired. So his dad quit for him. However, it wasn't all bad, as the former performer was Eric Ducharme, the founder-slash-owner of Taylor. This section in particular was very interesting to me. Taylor is a company that I've been aware of for a while, and something I scroll through to remind myself that I do not have $500. Yeah. Mermaid tails are expensive. Taylor is one of the big three tail makers, but the thing that I found interesting was this documentary really focuses on the person behind the company. Eric Ducharme is the founder of Taylor and has basically been in love with mermaids since he was a child. Having seen the Weeki performers, he went up to one of them, Barbara Wins, asking for a tail. She handed him something from the scrap bin and said, take it and don't bring it back. He fixed it up and continued to make makeshift tales for himself. He went on to make tales for the performers before he was asked to be a performer at the age of 16. This was a big deal as you had to be at least 18 to be a performer. However, as mentioned before, he quit due to the infections from performing. It was after this that he started Taylor and became the Taylor. I know, I'm hilarious.
0: You're an even bigger moron than I thought you were.
1: No, we are not doing this joke again. No, no. Everyone already thinks I'm crazy. Let's not make that worse.
2: I'm sorry, was I not wanted at this exact second?
1: No, you were not wanted at this exact moment.
2: Well, yes ma'am, boss lady.
1: Now that I'm done talking to myself, we can get back to the documentary. Eric actually gets a lot of focus as we hear how he started his company, and we get to watch him put together his own aquarium where he does mermaid shows. You can actually go to the Mur Taylor Aquarium in Lakanto, Florida. I would love to go, but it's like almost a grand for me and my aunt, so that'll stay in the dream box. Brittany Sparkles, who I will refer to as Sparkles for the remainder of this episode, is one of the main people featured. I actually feel pretty comfortable saying she is our main character. She's the first person we meet, and the series ends with her. This documentary really feels like her story, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it does lead to some of the other members not getting as much attention. Sparkles is a mermaid who is doing mostly party gigs. We follow her as she goes to a birthday party, auditions to join the Taylor Aquarium, does a showcase at Mermagicon, participates in a mermaid pageant, and then gets accepted into the Circus Siren Pod, which I will go into more detail later. I don't have a lot of issues with the documentary, but I think it does suffer with how much it focuses on Sparkles. The documentary advertises itself as a look into mermaid enthusiasts. However, aside from occasionally switching over to some of our other casts, mostly Eric, this is a look at mermaid enthusiasts by following one person, which would have been fine if they stuck with that. Because of this, it leads to some of our other casts not getting the focus they deserve. Tristan McDonald, or Tristan the Red River Merman as he's known online, is another member of our cast. He started out as a Disney performer and is actually somewhat familiar with the documentary scene, having been in one titled Making the Magic. We meet him at the end of episode 1 during the auditions for the Taylor Aquarium. He ends up getting accepted, though not as a performer. He gets some training, and that is about the last we see of him. Shay Monique is another person that I found very interesting, and I wish she had gotten more attention. Shea Monique is a professional mermaid and the founder of the Society of Fat Mermaids, which is an organization surrounded around body positivity. She also is a model and performer in her own right. You can actually book her for video messages and live appearances. I'll leave her website in the description. Throughout the documentary, we get to hear a little bit about Society of Fat Mermaids. We see her audition for the Circus Siren Pod, which don't worry, I will talk about next. We also see her judge the Kings and Queens of the Sea pageant. Once again, I wish we had gotten to see a lot more of her, but I'm going to save a majority of that for the final thoughts portion of this episode. The Circus Siren Pod is a group of mermaid performers founded by Morgana Alba in 2016. Alba started out as a circus performer before her she got into mermaiding. She found that she was getting more gigs as a mermaid and eventually started hiring other people. Over time, it became more exclusive with a fairly extensive audition process, which we get to see a little bit of. From the looks of it, it appears you have to apply to audition, and if they accept your application, you go to the audition. Of which, they will ask you to do different things, like swimming, of course, and pulling yourself up out of the pool and sitting on the edge. I feel like I've said the sons a lot, but throughout the documentary, we watch them have a show at a renaissance fair, as well as in Vegas with Sparkles as a guest performer. I think the only disappointing thing here is that we don't get to see Morgana as a mermaid. Which, if she doesn't perform anymore, I understand, but it is something that disappointed me personally. However, if you'd like to see her as a mermaid, she posts some pictures on her Instagram, which I will leave in the description. I'll be leaving the socials and any other appropriate links for the people I talk about, as you should 100% go support them. Once again, you should also watch the docuseries itself, as I am giving a very butchered summary of it. The blick tsunami is the final member of our main cast they are a non-binary mermaid from south carolina and probably my favorite i don't know if i should have a favorite when it comes to a documentary but here we are now i don't want to tell a lot of their story as they do get pretty personal in this documentary and i feel it's best if you hear it from them however i actually did get the chance to talk to them and i'll go into more detail when i get to the interview section but since working on Merpeople, they are working on a doll set. At the time of writing, there is a GoFundMe to get them made. That will most likely be over by the time this is released in September. However, if it's still going, you can find it on their Instagram. They also have a song that you should listen to as well, as a comic book that they are making. I'm unsure of when the comic will be released, however, I will find a way to make the song accessible. Mermagicon is a convention for kids, mermaid enthusiasts, and mermaid professionals. Mermagicon is directly involved with some of the events of the series, with there being a showcase that is watched by Morgana. This event leads to Sparkles being asked to be a guest performer for the Vegas show that the Circus Siren is doing. And as I would find out later, Mermagicon would have a part to play in the casting process. Afro-Mermaid is an organization that I feel gets glossed over in this documentary. They are an organization that advocates for diversity, swim safety, and ocean preservation. Once again, I really wish that they got more attention than they do because I feel these things are important and need to be showcased. And while I understand that it's not necessarily what the documentary is about, when you have the opportunity to talk about these things, why wouldn't you? If you're interested in them as an Organization or you'd like to check out their shop, I'll leave their website in the description. The description for this episode is going to be very full. (laughs) Episode 3, titled, Fly Free, Little Fishy, is where we stop being given information and we start seeing more of the people's lives as mermaids. I'm not going to say a lot about this episode, as two of the cast members open up about some pretty personal things. If you really want to know, you can watch the documentary, which I cannot say enough, I highly recommend that you do. However, we do have some exciting things happening. As mentioned earlier, Sparkles, after performing in the showcase, is asked to be a guest performer for the Circus Siren Pod at their Vegas show. So we get to see a little bit of that. We also find out that the Taylor Aquarium is putting on a Halloween show, and like, I really want to go see them, but even if I had the money, I'm not spending a grand to go to Florida. Moving on, uh, this is the episode where we learn about the Kings and Queens of the Sea pageant, and we watch Blick Tsunami sign up. As we learn in episode 4, Sparkles and Shea Monique also signed up, with Shea Monique being offered her to be one of the judges. We also see Tristan getting some training to be a performer, and this is the last we see of him, as he does not appear in episode 4. I personally find this a little odd, but I suppose it's not that big of a deal in the long run. Episode 4, Film for the Win, is the final episode of the series, and personally my favorite. The episode opens with sparkles at the Vegas show, and she gets fucking hypothermic. Which, this documentary is pretty drama-free. And then we get this bombshell. It was kind of teased at the end of episode 3. Uh, we also get to see the Kings and Queens of the Sea pageant, which is on a cruise ship. We also learn that the 75th anniversary of the Wiki-Watching Mermaids is coming up. However, it gets canceled due to storms, because, you know.
0: Except I'm not. FLORIDA!
1: I want to complain for a second. She
0: likes it when you say morbid stuff like that. Ignore her!
1: I already did this joke. I can't do it twice in one episode.
2: Face the facts and come to terms, it's time to realize. I right there lies, 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 lies.
1: Okay, I shouldn't. Anyway.
0: I want people to live their dreams! Would you really call this a dream? What the hell? There is
2: no rhyme or reason
3: to what I do.
2: I just do. A scooly boo. Oh, maybe there is a rhyme. Ah, great.
0: Ah, it's the Duke.
2: Boo. Thought this was a joke. Turns out I'm the joke.
1: Moving on, the people in the documentary say that the storms didn't happen near the springs and there were still shows being done there. So canceling the event just seems like a giant fuck you to the people that made your attraction. Eric obviously being just as... upset about this as the other performers decides to plan something at Taylor. It actually works out really well with some of them being able to swim in the tank. After watching the pageant, we get to learn the winners. The winner of Sea King is Merman Andy from California. They put a bit of emphasis on him, and he actually gets mentioned in a previous episode, though I can't remember which one. This makes me think he was supposed to have a larger role than he does, but somewhere along the line, he got put on the cutting room floor the episode and with it the series ends with sparkles getting accepted into the circus siren pod one of the people i talked to was the blick tsunami who actually gave me some really interesting information now disappointingly i didn't have that many questions prepared however i do think the ones i did have gave some good insight the first question i asked was who contacted who i wanted to know if the cast was contacted by netflix directly or if it was more of an open call thing
2: producers came to Mermagicon back in 2020 and was trying to shop around the idea of doing a mermaid show so she came up and was interviewing different mermaids to see who was going to make the cut and in the beginning we had no idea what this was for.
1: This documentary was in the works for a while. That statement about Mermagicon was reiterated when I talked to Shay Monique. Obviously, the next logical question is how long did filming take, and of course I asked what it was like because I'm too curious for my own good.
2: Filming started in uh, March 2021 at MermagicCon again, and then filming wrapped on the cruise back in November. Um, It was really fun. It was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of hours sitting and waiting for stuff to go down, or me waiting on my cue to go simply walk somewhere. Um, yeah, it was a really great experience, though, learning the ins and outs of the TV world that I knew I was going to be a part of ever since I was a little kid. Um, I'm honestly satisfied, though, with how everything turned out, and the crew worked really, really hard, and they don't get enough flowers. Like, the crew was bending their backs filming for us, so big shout-out to the filming crew.
1: I would like to remind you all that this series was released in May of this year. Filming started back in 2021. (laughs) Making shows are fucking hard. Again, huge shout out to the people behind the camera. I mean, this quite literally wouldn't be possible without them. One task of working behind the camera is editing, and sometimes things get cut. So I had to ask, was there anything that got cut that you wish was included?
2: Yes, H2OMG. There was so much things, hours upon hours of footage that I got with them that was not shown, that was very important to me, and things that I wanted people to see, but they didn't show it Um, so yes I would definitely do it again I'm actually sitting here every day patiently waiting to hear the call for season 2 or whatever other mermaid opportunity but I know with the writer's strike and the actor's strike that's going to be kind of hard so I'm just hanging relaxing right now finishing up my comic book and working on getting my doll out there to the world and his comic book so yeah
1: Now I have to know what was cut.
2: Thank you so much for asking. I love when people come and ask questions because I'm always down to give answers. So I appreciate you. Um, They filmed, uh, well, for one, they had me wait like an hour and a half to do some grand entrance at a mermaid convention, which did not get shown. And they had a whole interview with my mom and dad that took like two hours to film that did not get shown. We was in my old job For about three hours Filming, which did not get shown um, Me and mama Was filming in Atlanta Going to a paint store and picking out paint For A few hours and that did not get shown um, And I think That's it, and then I did a really um, Long interview During MagicCon, That did not get shown, so Yeah
1: I actually did say this when talking to them, but I'll say it again here. It's really disappointing that those things things were cut as I feel like Blick Tsunami was one of the couple things that really didn't get the attention that they deserve. Before I get into the next interview, I want to bring up something that I am slightly concerned is going to get me in trouble with Netflix. For the record, I love Netflix and I use them quite a bit, just putting that out there. I contacted a couple people, one of them had said that Netflix need to approve me, so to speak. I never heard anything back. It is currently August, and I started the script back in July. Shay Monique, who is the other person I talked to, was obviously interested or else I wouldn't have gotten an interview. However, there was an understanding that there are certain aspects of the production that she couldn't tell me, which is understandable and I don't say this as a bad thing. However, I didn't have these hurdles when talking to Black Tsunami. I don't want to speculate anything because I really don't know, but I did feel it was worth mentioning.
0: Okay, here we are
1: going to unmute. Pretty sure we are all set. So I'm just gonna. Hi. How are you? Good, how are you? I am well. Alright. So, we're on a tiny bit of a time crunch because I don't want to give any money to Zoom, so it can only handle, like, 40 minutes. Okay. If we, like, need more time, I can start another meeting, but... Okay. Just letting you know now.
3: Fair. Alright, I'll try to be concise. (laughs) Alright.
1: Okay, so I do have some questions about the actual making of the documentary, but first I do want to ask you some questions just about you and uh, Society of Fat Mermaids, which I found really interesting. Okay, alright. So, uh, I guess the first question is, how would you describe it?
3: I describe Society of Fat Mermaids as a size-inclusive clothing line community that celebrates or celebrates and centers fat folks. Um, and so, I kind of started with the clothes, but knew we would grow into the community, uh, which is why I called it Society of Fat Mermaids. And we're just really a place that is designed to just like support folks in their mer journey, and also just like make room and encourage like kind of whimsy and like quirkiness, and um, everybody. Like even if you don't want to put on a mermaid tail,
1: just allowing people to have fun with it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
1: And what kind of urged you to start Society of Fat Mermaids?
3: So um, when I was growing up, my mom did a really good job of making sure I had a lot of black representation, which was kind of hard when I was a kid. Hmm. And so I didn't get a lot of princess stuff because by the time like Princess Tiana came out, I was an adult. Hmm. Um, and so one day I saw this fat Latino woman in an aerial shirt and I was like, oh my goodness. I'm an adult now. I can buy an Ariel shirt if I want to. I've always Ariel. The Little Mermaid's always been my favorite Mm -hmm. like movie when I was a kid. And then I was like, but wait, like someone who looked like Ariel would never have a shirt with a mermaid who looked like me. And I was like, why not? Let's challenge that. Let's play with that. And so that's kinda like what really got the gears rolling. And like that's why it was like part of like I like that we're size inclusive. For a variety of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, part of the reason I like that we're size-inclusive is it's not just, like, fat representation for fat people. It's, like, fat representation for everybody.
1: Right, and, I again, I found that very interesting, and I wish that had gotten a lot more attention than it did. There's a lot of things I wish got a lot more attention than it did. <laughs>
3: It's such a big and colorful community, and like, essentially, it was like three hours to try to like cover all of it, and it was just impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, I really feel for the behind the scenes people trying to make that happen and do that storytelling.
1: Yeah, that that's not easy. <laughs> I and I guess this is a good segue to to how long was filming, and like, what was that experience like?
3: Okay, I'm gonna dance around that and tell you what I can tell you. Okay. Say that like there was filming at Mermagicon uh, in 2022, and that was in March of 2022. And then that um, King and Queen of the Seas pageant was like over Halloween, which is like, it's kind of cool to be on a cruise ship on Halloween, um, 2022. Uh, so those were kind of like the big events uh, that were filmed. And kind of the spread of those.
1: Yeah. Okay. And now you got to judge the Kings and the Queens pageant, if I remember that correctly. Yeah. So, correct me if I'm wrong. The way that I understand how that went, you had signed up to be a contestant and ended up getting asked to be judge. To be a judge. So, kind of going... I, I guess elaborate on that. Like, what was that like?
3: It was really cool. Um, I like my mer journey has been like interesting because I feel like I haven't been mermaiding very long. Um, mm-hmm. It's been about five years. Oh, wow. Uh, and, um, I don't know, you know, like they never really specified like why they asked me to be a judge. Uh, but I will say that, like, you know, last year I headlined for Magicon. Like, I do know that, like, the community sees me in a special way, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's such, like, a weird, like, I don't know. But it was truly an honor. So, like, I was excited because I got to then hang out with other other judges. So, like, the two big perks for me of judging were, A, when we were on the ship, like, I wasn't stressed about, like, my pageant routine or anything like that. Like, I could just be there. Even though judging was hard, but it's, like, hard in the moment. It's not, like, I'm still rehearsing or still making a costume.
1: And, like, there were people, like, gluing and sewing stuff together, you know? <laughs> and constantly thinking, like, okay, what am I going to do next? Yeah, and so I
3: didn't have to do that. And then, B, like, the biggest thing was to really hang out with all the other judges who are like, the founders of this industry. Like, and so it was just so cool for, like, Hannah Fraser to stop being, like, Hannah Frazier to just being, like, oh, hey, Hannah, how are you? You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, so, like, to really just hang out with these people and spend time with them and get to know them. And then I always said that Justin Lettsky, the photographer, he was a judge as well. I said so we were kind of, like, the misfit judges, uh, which kind of hurt uh, Mermaid Carol's feelings. But, like, I didn't feel like anybody, like, I didn't feel like we weren't included. We just, like, we just weren't like everybody else. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, one day, like, we snuck off and got ice cream, like was taking a long time and it was like oh we need you guys here at this time and they weren't ready and then he was like I'm gonna go get some ice cream and I'm like I'm going with you you know <laughs> and so it's like it was cool to like hang out with him and like sneak off with him and mm-hmm. it was just like really awesome and then very cool then also to hear everybody's like platforms and hear what they stand for because like if you're doing the thing you don't get to hear everybody but, right like as a judge you do so that was really cool too
1: all right yeah uh a lot of these questions are like pre-written and i started the script for this like a month ago so my memory is just shot (laughs) all right uh okay so regarding like the actual casting process who contacted who um what like did they come to you or was it like an audition
3: uh Reached out to me before Mermagicon 2020. Okay. She said she was planning on making a coffee table book about mermaids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somehow that coffee table book turned it into Merpeople.
1: <laughs> All right. But
3: initially, she was just doing like, because she's, I believe, primarily a photographer and videographer. And so she mm-hmm. was thinking she had done a cool book about roller derby. Um, and she was kind of looking for her next project. And somebody mentioned something about mermaids. Um, and, uh, yeah, so she, I don't know, you know, her whole thing, but she started looking into mermaids, and she came to Mermagicon 2020, and I met her there, uh and, yeah, a lot of time elapsed in between, mm. obviously, that and, but that was kind of the first contact. It was about a coffee table book.
1: Okay, that, I'm actually kind of surprised by that, because I also uh interviewed blick tsunami and they had told me that they like a producer or whatever had gone to MerMagicCon 2020 and was kind of like deciding who would make the final cut so okay. i i was under the impression that no one really was contacted except for maybe like eric ducharm uh mm. so that that actually surprised me a little bit
3: but again at that time it wasn't Show. Mm-hmm. It was a book, right? Uh, and I might be able to find on Instagram. She and I did a uh, a screening and a q a and together, and I think that whole thing got posted on Instagram. So I might mm-hmm. be able to find that where she explains more of like her process. If he- send it to you, if y- that would be helpful.
1: Yeah, if, I was gonna say if you can find that, send it to me because <laughs> I need all the information I can get. Okay. Um,
3: and, and it's, like, interesting, because, like, as a producer, she's allowed to say more about, like, how the sausage is made. Right. And, um, I have to be very, like, I was at Mermagicon, and I met this person. Like, I can't <laughs> tell you, like, you know what I mean? Like- yeah.
1: She gets to, she was in the room where it happened. Right. Uh, Bouncing around. I had come up with an order beforehand, and that got thrown out the window. Totally
3: fine. Oh. See if i can find this post but i'm listening
1: okay uh was there i I don't know how much you can actually tell me but was there anything that you said or did that ended up getting cut that you wish they had added
3: that would i guess be in the realm of like things i can't talk about um but i will say just in general like i wish there were more society of fat mermaids in the show um mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and also, I will say like there are certain moments where like I'm very grateful that they showed me in a really positive light because there was a lot of time. Um, and I mean, I think I'm a good person and I do good things, but like you know, I've definitely had like some embarrassing moments that I'm glad aren't out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, for example, like if you look really hard, uh, you can see that I was at the Mur Taylor audition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did a terrible job at that audition. Oh. Uh, and so I'm very grateful that I'm just in the background. Some people are like, wait, you were in that scene? And it's like, if you're looking for me, you can see me. Um,
1: no, now I'm going to have to I go, go looking for you.
3: <laughs> there's even a time where I'm just floating. I'm wearing, like, some society, about, like, brown mermaid scale leggings. and You can oh. see my feet. But there's, like, a couple other, like, when everybody's, like, talking and, like, talking about how they're excited and, like, where they came from like I'm there but it's like I'm barely there you mostly see sparkles there yeah um, and I'm there just a little bit but I'm grateful that I'm there just a little bit because I did a terrible job at the audition <laughs> and I'm glad that the like whole world
1: that. I guess that you're really giving me these great segues here this is awesome because <laughs> I was gonna ask do you feel like they portrayed you accurately um
3: I think they portrayed me well like I don't even know what an accurate of a person is right like yeah. so multifaceted but in general i'm happy with how i'm portrayed um, i feel like it's i feel like honestly i feel like they portrayed me in a very flattering light and i'm mm-hmm. grateful
1: for that yeah and that, that is something i will give the documentary is with something like like this it is very easy to go that salacious route and focus on the drama of it all and yeah. this documentary really doesn't do that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's like very much like this is a documentary about, you know, people you probably didn't know exist and not like a salacious, like, reality show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am. I'm, I'm, I am grateful for that.
1: Uh. God. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Da 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 da, da, da. Uh. Alrighty, I apparently do not have that many questions anyway, because the (laughs) the last question that I have is, if given the opportunity, would you do something like this again?
3: Um, I have no clue. Like, I'm definitely open to just, like, what does the universe have in store? I, I enjoy opportunities to spread the Society of Fat Mermaid's message, and just kind of like in general like my my vibe is kind of I try to like live a big and colorful life to encourage other people to do the same and so um I guess if there were a similar opportunity sure but I don't know I really don't know like you know on the other side of it it's like you know I mean you know I'm struggling to keep up with my inbox yeah (laughs) It's a lot of moving pieces,
1: so it's kind of like, I guess we cross that bridge when we get to it, type thing. Alright. Um, something I am curious about, because you and a lot of the other cast members did seem at least familiar with each other, and had a lot of interactions, so, like, do you still keep in touch with them, and, like, how many of them did you know beforehand?
3: The mer world is, like, a pretty small community of and especially if you kind of keep going to the same conventions year in and year out. So I would say, and like, you know, you start to get like close to people over social media, even if you haven't met them. So like, I think there's, I'd say I knew most folks beforehand, uh, grew closer, you know, over the past year or so. And yeah, stay probably better in touch with people than I thought I would, to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> Like thinking you know, of like people I've talked to on the phone in the past couple days. I'm like, yeah, we're definitely
0: still in touch. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Um. I I guess that is everything. If I mean, if you have any questions, anything you want to plug, feel free.
3: Um. Yeah. I'm in the process of uh, starting a like online verse school. Um, I think all the certifications that we have through the dive organizations are like amazing, but I feel like more and more people are just like, what is mermaiding, how do I get into it? And they kind of go down the YouTube rabbit hole. So I'm like, well, let me pull kind of all the smart people I know and have them kind of do video lessons for people and point them in the right direction. And also just be like a central place where it's like, oh, you know, I took this class from this person you know, online, and oh, now I see they're, like, teaching in person, I want to actually, like, follow up, so mm-hmm. that'll be the school for fish, and that will be coming this fall.
1: All right, well, that'll be a good thing to bring up, especially with this coming out September, yeah, September. Perfect, perfect, perfect.
3: yeah. I'm targeting October 1st, um, uh, TBD, you know. <laughs> see where it goes. But that's, the, that's the target.
0: All
3: right. So fall, I can say for sure. I don't want to say October 1st. Right now, that's just the goal. Mm-hmm.
1: Whether or not we reach that goal is a different story.
3: We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah. Thank you so much for talking to me.
1: Thank you so much for responding.
3: Absolutely. And thank you for your patience. I was yeah. Turn it all out. I think the little, like, literal day I was messaging you. I was sitting at Penn Station in New York waiting for a train that got like delayed like four hours or something oh wow i was like i I had all this stuff because i was doing mermaid stuff so like this huge bag and like so it's like i couldn't get like comfortable because i just had too much stuff and i'm like going through and i'm like okay well at least i can start getting caught up on my messages i'm (laughs) kind of just stuck here
1: (laughs) well i'm kind of glad it worked out that way i don't usually get responses so i was very pleased to get one (laughs) Yeah. Do you want me to, like, send it to you when it's out, or? That'd be
3: great. All right. Yeah.
1: Awesome. All righty. Well, thank you for your time.
3: Absolutely. Thank you. You have a good night.
1: You too. Bye. 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 righty. She actually did manage to send me that Q&A on top of stating that it was originally supposed to be a book. In
0: photography, so I worked for many years as an editorial photographer and advertising, but I always had a passion to pursue my own projects. So, um, you know, I had a book previous to this project called Scars and Stripes, The Culture of Modern Roller Derby. So I was always interested in finding communities that were part of the subculture and communities that really I felt were the bloodline and really kind of gave the spirit to to our culture, you know, kind of this grassroots thing. And so while playing roller derby, I met uh, my derby wife. Her name is Brignette Bree, And she's always looking out for, you should explore this, you should check out this. So she called me and she said, hey, I have some girls on my roller derby team who are mermaids and they dress up and they swim in their pool. And I was like, what? I've never heard of that. And then two days later, I was watching CBS Sunday Morning, and then they did a piece about a new mermaid book that came out about the culture of mermaiding and kind of where it began. And I was like, that's weird. I've never heard of mermaiding ever, and that's twice in a few days. And then lastly, that put the icing on the cake is we have, a, in the Rockaways, we have a community group called the Mermaid Brigade, and um, they were doing a quote-unquote tail swap, it's really like a costume swap for our presider parade that we have out there. And I was like, all right, that's it, let me, that's three times in a row, let me explore. And then, as they say, I dove in and I did a lot of research and I met Shay for the first time at Mermagicon, um, where then I met Eric I went down to Wikiwachi and one door opened up another door another door And through Roller Derby, I met Roland Ballester, who was the executive producer for Halston, uh, which is the documentary Halston. And uh, he's always wants to know what I'm working on. And I said, hey, I I was going to do this book about it, but it's not a book. I was like, this is is for real. And there's so many, it's so rich. Um, And also, politically, the climate was depressing. So why not, you know? go into another world and and that's kind of how how
1: it happened, so. Now there aren't really a whole lot of books on the subject. I originally thought that she was talking about The Million Dollar Mermaid by Esther Williams from 1999. However, while this still could be the case, I'm inclined to believe the book she is referencing is A Mermaid's Guide, The Simple, Peaceful Way to Make Your Child into a Safe, Joyful Swimmer by Michelle Lang and Ian Nelms from 2019. I also briefly considered People A Human History by Von Schreibner, eh, maybe? However, that was released September of 2020, and from what I can find, MerMagicon happened in February of that year, so I firmly believe that it is one of the two previously mentioned. And I didn't add this into the script, this is kind of like, in hindsight, I'm actually kind of starting to think it is that Million Dollar Mermaid. It could be neither of these, but... Those are the ones that I was able to find that would kind of fit. I previously mentioned that the wiki Watchy performers were essentially the start of mermaid shows. However, upon further research, I managed to find Annette Kellerman, born July 6, 1886, who was an Australian swimmer, vaudeville star, film actress, and writer. Her claims to fame as being one of the first women to wear a one-piece bathing suit, as opposed to the pantaloons that were popular at the time, and popularizing synchronized swimming. I also found Esther Williams, born August 8th, 1921, who was an American swimmer and actress. On top of being an accomplished swimmer between the years of 1945 and 1949, she would have at least one film appear on the top 20 highest-grossing films. In 1952, she played Annette Kellerman in the biographical film Million Dollar Mermaid. Uh, so while Weegee Watchie, in a sense, pioneered modern mermaid shows as we know them today, these two women do deserve some credit. Now, I can finally talk about my thoughts on the documentary, which have been sprinkled in. I stated previously that I wish there was more focus on some other aspects of this documentary. However, as mentioned by Shay Monique in my interview with her, the world of mermaiding is such a vast space, there really is no way to capture it at all. In the Q&A I talked about the executive producer had said she originally wanted to do six episodes, but somewhere along the way Netflix cut it to four. So, there's a very high possibility that there was just a lot of things that got cut, which would explain all of the focus on sparkles. And despite these ultimately being very minor issues, I did enjoy this documentary. I think it would be interesting to see how much more ground could be covered if they ever got a season two. The biggest compliment that I have to give this documentary is when it comes to covering things like this. It is very easy to take the salacious route do what TLC does and focus on the drama of it all. Here though, they don't really do that, and I can appreciate that. This documentary is very much a story of people and community. I know I've said this a million times already, but you should definitely watch this because I think the central theme of community is just something everyone needs. And even if it doesn't get you interested in mermaiding yourself, you'll get a better understanding of people who do. So that was merpeople. This episode was a lot bigger than I anticipated, but I'm so glad that I got to do this because if I didn't, I would have missed the opportunity to talk to some really interesting people who you should go support. As I said, Blixunami is working on music, a doll line, and a comic, and and Shea Monique is working on a whole-ass school, so to speak. Uh, Go support them, support the other people that I mentioned here, and I hope you enjoyed. If you want to suggest episodes, get updates on episodes, or you just want to chat, follow me on Twitter at AshleyMarieWT, or you can email me at AshleyMarieWT at gmail, and until next time, peace out.